I want to talk today, we're on the AWARE series. Uh, remember, uh, we do have AWARE meetings going on uh, almost every night of the week where you come together, spend an hour, hour and 15 minutes discussing uh, the previous week's message. Uh, I was at one of the groups uh, this Wednesday. It's exciting just to be able to, uh, to interact with people. Uh, I knew all the answers because I had preached the message, so I just, I just sort of sat there. But no, it was, uh, it was really great. And, and we're, we're wanting to really get the body of Christ aware of what's going on. Um, almost everything. If you're reading an article on, on sports or on football or baseball or soccer or whatever, or just general articles, in gen- you always see the word aware. People want you to be aware. You've you got to tune in. Uh, how things work, be aware. And so the whole emphasis of these seven weeks is to really uh, turn you on and get you aware. Actually, next Sunday we're going to be talking about prayer. Pastor Mary will mention it briefly, but next uh, Saturday morning here at the church, and you might have found the cards on, your, on the seats there, is you can come in and pray for a half an hour uh, for family, friends, needs that you might have. There'll be uh, Staff will be here. If you need special prayer, we'll pray for you. And then we'll talk about how prayer, how you can be really aware of all of the intricacies on how prayer moves the hand of God. And, uh, it, and I think where God wants us to get, uh, I didn't mention this the first service, but it just comes to me now, one of the greatest, the largest church ever in world history is the Full Gospel Church in Seoul, Korea. Uh, for many years I served, uh, there was 50 of us from around America that served on his board. Their Sunday attendance is just a little under a million. It's a lot of people, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating. You come out of a service, and it's like you're at Lambeau Field, and there's another crowd waiting to come in. And uh, the whole thing was built on prayer, uh, following the services. And I would love to see this kind of thing happen in America, so we don't have to fly all the way to Korea to see it. But we'd be, the pastor's office is probably bigger than this church, just because they rolled people through, and they would pray for people, and people's eyes would be opened, and you'd, you'd hear bones cracking. I mean, it was fascinating to see God corporately getting people together to pray and see great things happen. Uh, you can Google uh, the Full Gospel Church, Seoul, Korea, Dr. David Yonggi Cho. It's amazing, just amazing. And I really believe God wants to do that kind of thing. But if we're going to get there, we have to also be aware of what it means to uh, evangelize. Evangelize simply means sharing the gospel, getting the gospel out. And so today I'm going to give you, at the close of the message, five or six strategies that you can use in sharing the gospel, things that you need to incorporate in your life that will help you to do it. But to, to, get, to get you there, I want you to open your Bibles with me to John chapter 15. And uh, I'm just going to read the first seven verses. Now, if you don't have a Bible, they'll give you a Bible, okay? If you need a Bible, they'll give you a Bible over here, over here. If you don't have a Bible, please feel free uh, to take these as our gift to you, because actually one of the closing things I'll share with you is the Bible, all right? So let's look at this scripture here, and before I read it, let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your love. I pray now that you will bless your word in Jesus' name, amen. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now, who is I am? Jesus, okay? Whenever you see the I am statements, even in the Old Testament, when, when God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush, Moses said, who is this? He said, it's I am. That's, uh, so I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me. And one of the reasons why I like you to bring your Bibles, and I guess you can do this even on your electronic devices, 
is you can sort of highlight. I don't know. I have a smartphone, but I'm a dumb operator. So I, uh, are you okay there? All right. But this, this little phrase, in me, you'll find it in the book of John uh, 16 times. So if, if you don't believe me, read the whole book of John this week and find, just keep circling in me to see if I'm right. If I miss it, uh, you can tell me next week. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Say, I am the branches. There you go, you're, you're not sleeping. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Now, we want to quickly move through this today. I want to show you some things about it's very important for you to understand if you are going to be a person who really lights up and begins to share the Word of God with neighbors, families, friends, co-workers, co-students, uh, retirement center, wherever you might be, how this works. Okay? He said, I started out, I am is who? Jesus, right? Who is the vine dresser? The Father, God, okay? And then there's us. So you got position. You got God, you got his son, and you got us. In my note, notes, in that particular portion, I've written in my name. I am as Jesus. He is the Father. And you are, and I wrote Arnie. And it's A-R-N-I, just if you want to know. It's, there's no E on it, okay? So what this shows, if you're going to be effective in making people aware and sharing your faith, you've got to have a unity of purpose. You've got to be in this thing together. It's like the two guys are riding up a hill on a bicycle built for two guy in the front's pumping away. He gets to the top. Finally, the top. He's sweating. Turned to the guy behind him and said, wow, that was, man, that was tough. And the guy in the back said, yeah, that would, it, would, it would have been tougher, but I had the brakes on because he, was, he wasn't going in tandem. You know, we have to have a unity of purpose. We have to all be in this together. Now, all of us have different personalities, different abilities, and different way we do things, but there must be a unity of purpose. And so we see it in the heavenly kingdom. We have to have it here. And so God is the vine dresser, and we find two things in this. There's two words, prune and cut. All right? Now, cut is somewhat painful. Pruning is somewhat painful, but they both have different reasons. Now, I could have gone to the end of my message today, give you six things that you could do to share your faith, and you've heard a lot of them. Maybe you've tried a few of them, or maybe you're not involved in that at all. Maybe that's just not your thing. But here's the deal. To get to the point where you can adequately share the message of Jesus Christ and not look like a fool, not be crazy, you've got to have some things done to you. And this is what, the, what Jesus is sharing here to the crowd and to his disciples at that time. And so we look at pruning and being cut. So here, when we look at a tree, unless, for example, if someone bought an old orchard and they were trying to fix it, the first thing they would do is they would come in and they'd cut out the dead branches, okay? That would be the first thing they would do. Then after they had cut out the dead branches, then they would begin to prune, to shape the tree, 
so that it could be effective in bearing fruit, all right? And say, you know, I, I don't mean to be cruel, and I, but it's a fact. I travel a lot, uh, preaching churches in different parts of America, and actually outside of America. I sense in churches today that we're really not getting out there and doing exactly what I believe God would have us to do. What is the, the purpose of the church of Jesus Christ? I hear a lot about vision. You know, I mean, I, I watch Christian TV, I listen to different pastors, uh, and, and they have this vision, vision. But really, when you boil it down, let me just tell you, there is only one vision in the church today. We, are, we come to Christ, we give our lives to Christ. Mark 10.45 says, For the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. The whole church purpose is to evangelize get people into relationship with Jesus Christ so that they can have a full life, a productive life, and then when this life is over, go to heaven. So the one vision is this, reaching as many people as you possibly can. There should be no division in one vision. Now, there can be different ways you go about accomplishing that, but the singular vision in the church is to reach people for Christ. Now, if you want to please God... How many want to please God? Most of you. (laughs) If you want to please God, then get in tune and start marching to those particular things that bring about people being confronted by the claims of Christ. Now, so I want you to think with me just for a few moments on this thing. So, So we need to cut. What's some of the cutting we need to do in our lives? We got to cut out distractions. We got to cut out things that distract us from being the Christian that God intended us to be. About three weeks ago, or four weeks ago, I can't remember exactly, I preached the message on baggage. How many of you were here for the baggage message? And we, I had all these bags, and I, was, and I had, you know, I was getting weighted down with the bags, and some of one bag was jealousy, and the other was lust, and, and then, you know, it, we just worked, and I'm just carrying all that stuff. Well, all of those things, difficulties in relationships, problems, all those things, if we let them pile on us, become distractions. They're like, in the, as we picture the tree, that's the dead branches, and you've got to get them out. And, and so once you get that out, what happens is all of a sudden you begin to see the reality of the tree. If, uh, I can remember I was raised up in Door County. There's a lot of cherry orchards and apple orchards, and every once in a while uh, uh, someone would either move away or not take care of their orchard and look crummy. But then someone would come through and buy it and begin to take out the dead and begin to do all of the things. And all of a sudden, that which looked not very attractive began to look attractive. Let me just tell you today. I, and I, I'm telling you, I think that people in the world today are not seeing in the church what they should see because we're so full of distractions. We're, we're so full of things that, that take us away from the main thing. And the main thing is to reach people for Jesus Christ. The main thing is to, to know him and to love him and to care for him. So after that's done, after the distractions are up, and listen, you know what they are. You know, you know the baggage you're carrying. You know the things that hinder you from uh, doing what you know you should do relative to the Word of God. And this is a universal problem in the church of Jesus Christ today because once you get the orchard pruned, Once you get the dead cut out, all of a sudden it becomes very productive. And then there's that harvest time. It's like I told you, you know, seed time, harvest, 
and, and summer, winter, boom, and all of a sudden you've got the harvest. And we need to have a big harvest in the church today. And, it, and I'm not talking necessarily about church growth, but that will be a byproduct of you doing what God wanted you to do. But you'll never get involved in that until you have the dead cut out, until someone's got enough nerve to tell you, look, you've got an ugly branch there, it's dead, or you've got a branch that's growing out of you, sucking life out of you, but it's not bearing any fruit. It's just tearing you down. So the next step that you have to go through is the pruning. Pruning is a very uh, 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 careful thing. It's, it, pruning is, is something that, that, that you, you, the word prune itself means to clean. Anything that keeps you from being fruitful. So now when you look at the pruning process, they actually, when the, the, the master pruner, now who's the vine dresser? God. So if you say, okay, I'm getting rid of the dead stuff, that's going to be thrown away and burned up. I'm getting rid of the unproductive stuff, that's going to be taken care of. Then God comes and carefully prunes you. Now, in, in the pruning world, the, the master pruner will cut the branch and the vine so that it goes in the right direction. You see what I mean? So when God is pruning you, even though it can be a little painful, because you're getting, it's, it's a, it's a, specific kind of cutting because God wants you to go in the right direction. He wants the church to go in the right direction. And that direction is being fruitful and being so attractive. Have you ever met someone that was a Christian that just, they just had that something about them? It happened to me many years ago. I was about 20 years old. My sister was dying of Hodgkin's disease. And now my idea of pastors were sort of stuffed shirts with backward collars and, uh, you know, sort of old, like they picture. Do you ever notice how they picture pastors in most movies and, and most clips, you know? It's some old shriveled up guy. Just, you know, and, and I sort I mean, I'm not picking on our pastor when I was a kid, but he was sort of like that, you know? You know? It wasn't the guy I thought, well, he'd be a fun guy to hang out with, you know? And uh, so when my sister was dying, her pastor came to the hospital to visit her. His name was John Wilkerson. Man, he was... And he was a cool guy. And there was something about him that was attractive. Now, I'm talking spiritually here, please. Are you tracking with me there? No, I'm just, but the, come on. But there was a, a, a charisma about him. The word charisma means grace gifted. There wasn't anything there. He wasn't hindered. He, he, was, he, was, a, he was a neat guy. There was, there was something about him. And you know what? If we could create in our Christian life today, people who were going the right direction, people who had the junk taken off of them and, and, and were all bogged down by this world and all of the things that bog them down. So basically, we get pruned and we're going in the right dire direction. Anything that keeps you from being fruitful needs to be cut off. And, and it's all about in parenting. I'm telling you what, we had to prune a lot on our kids. Because they always wanted to go maybe a direction that wouldn't be good for them. So we were cutting and pruning and pointing them in the right direction. Anything that keeps you from uh, being fruitful. Now, uh, let me illustrate it this way. To see, uh, oh, what is this? What is, come on, come on, come on, come on. Ah, I almost took a guy's head off this morning. You can throw it back to me this morning. But that guy's a receiver, so he's got good hands. Okay, this is an apple. 
Okay, this is a piece. Well, that's recognizable, isn't it? Every one of you said apple. Thank you, class. Oh, he almost got his wife, but he caught it. All right. Apple. Oh, you, I mean, it's, you know that's an apple. No, orange. Oh, I'm getting behind myself here. There, very good. Nice hands. All right, now see what else we got in my little bag here. Oh. Lemon. Sad to say I've met a lot of Christians. They're like lemons. <laughs> you spray that juice. Oh, I, I don't want to be a lemon when I grow up. You know, lemon. Oh, you intercepted it. I was throwing it at your sister there. Um, what else do I got in my little bag here? Banana. Bananas. Every, you know, everybody recognizes. It's hard to throw bananas. Ah, uh, there you go. <laughs> there we go. You caught the banana. So, you know, you, you guys are there. Now, I made a big mistake. But how many can tell me what this is? It's a mango. I was trying to find a fruit that no one would know what it was. And yesterday I was in Walmart on the east side, and uh, I was going to buy it. I should have, because the, basically what I wanted to do with this illustration was come up with a fruit that no one would recognize. And there was this ugly, gnarly old round thing in the fruit area called a persimmon. And I mean, I think I would have held it up. Not a lot of you would have gotten it. My point here is we recognize all those other fruits are very recognizable. And I was hoping that the sort of funny-looking big thing there, but everybody got it, you know. But what, here's the deal. I think the problem we have in Christianity today is we're not being recognized. We're sort of like the persimmon. Oh, it is, a, you know what I mean? Because we, we don't see what we really want to be. And because of all the distractions, because of all the things that have weighed us down, people aren't saying, hey, what's the deal with you? See, God wants to give you appointments. Same time yesterday when... We were in, in Walmart. Jan and I were in, in the store, and uh, she was looking at some stuff, and uh, <laughs> all of a sudden, the lady comes around the corner with a cart and goes like, just stares at me. I mean, I had shaved and everything, and brushed my teeth and had my hair combed, even took a shower. And uh, all of a sudden, she said, Pastor Ernie, is that you? I didn't think I'd slipped that much in the last six years, but, you know, things have been falling and slipping. But, uh, I, you know, so anyhow, yeah, I got to talking to her, and she said, man, I've been out of church and haven't gone. I went through a bad divorce. It's been seven, eight years. And man, just to, and, and, and so I invited her to church. She's working today. She works in a care home, but she's going to be here next Sunday. And I was able to share with her, encourage her, and her, her husband and I were talking. And then all of a sudden, I couldn't find Jan. Because when I'm with my wife in the store, she just cruises. If I stop, she just keeps cruising. And, and, and so my phone rings. My, my cell phone rings. Hey, where are you? And Walmart's pretty big, you know. Well, I'm over here by the baby stuff, I've, and uh, I was talking to this lady. And, and here's the thing. God has appointments for you. Now, that happened to be because she knew who I was. But if we could just get all that stuff. Sometimes we're, we're busy with our shopping cart, and we miss. So thanks for getting a little bit about the illustration. There. By the way, I'm having a fruit salad for lunch today. I'm going to eat my illustration. And uh, that's, that should pretty, be pretty exciting. I hope I'm not choking when the Packers are are playing, but anyhow. So for a share of faith, 
And if we're to reach our families and friends and neighborhoods, you need, after the pruning, you need to be aware of something. I want you to turn back to the book of Revelation. I always, when I was a new Christian, I always loved whenever they use Revelation or Genesis. <laughs> I could find those two, the front and the back. Uh, tw- Genesis 12, 11. Now, let's just, we're moving more towards some things that we can give you. But I hope you're getting the illustration here. And I believe it's not an illustration. I have never preached this in my life. It was, it was a, uh, sort of a mini revelation this week. Oh, I've talked about techniques. I've told people I can lead people to the Lord in the airplane and in my neighborhood and in department stores or wherever. God just uses me that way. But, you know, what I saw was just this picture of, of the church like that ugly, old, unkept orchard. It had a lot of potential wasn't being tapped because they didn't cut out the dead and they, didn't, and they weren't pruned, so they went in the right direction. Verse 11 of Revelation 12 says this, and they, over, and they overcame. How many of you want to be overcomers? You see, the world is looking for winners. The world is looking for overcomers, overcoming students, overcoming adults, people who have it together. There's something about it. It doesn't matter what arena you're in, if it's the sports arena or the work arena or the school arena or wherever you are, people are looking for people. Man, you know, I would go to war with that person. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that should, and and, and what's making you that way? And if you're in sales and some guy that's really good at sales, you're going to think, man, I got to find out, man, who's he been listening to? What books has he been reading? Because people are attracted to winners. Right? Show me, a, show me someone who likes to lose, and I'll show you a loser. Winners. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. You see, here's, here's the thing. If you want to overcome, and you want to be on the top, and you want to be right where God wants, you can overcome by his blood. During the communion service, we talked about the power. There's power in the blood. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb. That's Jesus. And by the word of their testimony... And they did not love their lives unto death. But here's the point. You overcome by the blood of the Lamb. I am saved. I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I think the gospel message, where it leads you, what it will do with you. I'm old enough now to have children that are being productive and, and being used for God. My daughter forgot the time change last night. Called from Utah. She had spoken at a thing at... Uh, at City Church in Salt Lake, where my son is the pastor, and that 120 women came, and, and she preached for the first time. Well, Brookie preaches on a lot of level, but man, she called her mom, and you know, Jan was really good. She was spitting cobwebs, but she sounded like she was up. You know, I've had people call me at three in the morning, Pastor, are you up? Oh, no, I've been sitting here waiting for your call. <laughs> no, come on, I'm a sleeping. <laughs> and uh, so Jan's spitting cobwebs. Oh, hi, Brookie, how did it go tonight? She said, oh, she said, Mom, it was fantastic. The ladies were touched. And it was just great. Well, here's the thing. You see, we've sewed into them, and we've pruned them, and we've loved them, and, she, and they're, they're, they're attractive people, and people want to be around my daughter and my son and my son-in-law and my daughter-in-law, but they're living the Christian life. It's attractive. It's something that people desire. They overcame. 
with a testimony. She shared her testimony about some struggles she had when she went through high school, and, and she couldn't get specific on another event that hit him, hit them about, about six months ago, a very tragic thing that happened to their little family and how they had to overcome and how they had to raise up. So Jesus said, I will make you to become fishers of men. It doesn't happen overnight. I mean, I've worked for many years as a Christian, and, I, and, I, and I've, I've studied the whole thing, and I've studied people who, who, who are really good at, at reaching people for Christ. You're going to see a little video at the close with Franklin Graham. And if you want to study, if I'm as a minister or someone to reach out, I talked a little bit about Billy Graham last week when I talked on integrity. And you want to, you want to model yourself. But still, I think all of us could get to a much higher level if we would cut out the dead stuff, get pruned, and go in the right direction. Now that, that, so Jesus said, I will make, he said that to his disciples, I will make you to become fishers of men. So let's, let's talk about five or six things that you can do. This is just practical tips. Now I hope you understand today. Here's, here, here's the premise of the message. We read John 15, talked about pruning, talked about all those things talking about cutting the dead out of your life, and then even though you have branches, and remember, even a branch that is bearing fruit, if it gets too long, the fruit will actually break, break the branch because it's too long. It's, it's too far away from the, the, the center trunk. So that you prune back, you prune, so that, and you don't get distorted in one direction. I know there are people that go, the, I mean, they'll take one thing of Christianity and take it too far. I mean, you can push anything too good far, and it becomes excessive. So you've got to be balanced, and you've you got to be all that stuff. But there's something exciting about being someone who's affecting other people for Christ. I am not talking about getting up here and preaching. I'm talking about your day-to-day life affecting people for Christ. What we're going to hear about from, uh, first name again, Michelle, at the end of the service, how you can affect kids all around the world, how you get involved. There's something joyful. There's nothing more exciting to me then over the years now to see people who are being effective in the, our, our guest speaker that's coming for the men's event, if you've not heard Sean Hennessy, the guy is a gifted, gifted speaker. We put him in one of our churches in San Diego. Uh, Ten months ago, it was running 125. Last Sunday, there were 600 people there. They're coming because of he's got a, a verve about him, an excitement about him. And uh, he's like my son in the ministry. I love Sean. And he, this was a number of... Called me. He, was, he was preaching at an event in Oregon. And I pastored in Oregon many years ago before we came to, to, to Green Bay and established Bayside Christian Fellowship, which is now Celebration Church. And he said, a guy came, he said, I saw an, a guy that had, had led me to Christ came and, and he, we, we were talking and he said, man, Sean, you know Arnie? Sean says, yeah. He said, Arnie led me to the Lord in Salem, Oregon. Then, this guy leads Sean Hennessy to the Lord, who now comes into my life. You see what I mean? Man, that's exciting to me. Holy man, I'm glad I led that guy to the Lord because he led Sean to the Lord. And, and now look what God's doing in Sean's life. There's excitement and joy about this whole thing. That it, it supersedes income. It supersedes position. Man, because I'm doing something for the kingdom. You know? And when I get to heaven, I just want to hear, well done. And then walk me to my residence. In fact, the Bible says about heaven, I have not seen nor have entered into the heart of man what God's prepared in heaven. 
Listen to that, Bill Gates. Listen to that to that. What's the guy that found the iPad? Uh, just croaked. Steve Jobs, yeah. And all the stuff that went on in their brains is nothing compared to what we're going to have in heaven. Right? Can you think about it? Come on. Are you there? So anyhow, let me give you these six things real quick. First thing you need to do if you really want to get effective is make prayer lists. Start, anybody can do this. Make a list. Work, school, neighborhood. Just make a list. Just list the names. Pray specifically. Okay, there's Bill and Mary, and you just you pray for them. Now, a lot of us do that with our family, but incorporate, make lists, and pray. Anybody can do that. Even if you've got some gnarly branches and you haven't been to- totally pruned yet, you can do that, right? And you can pray. You say, oh, God, here I am. There's my list. You know, send them and let them bump into Pastor Arnie at Walmart. I don't want anything to do with them. Come on now. So you make a list and you pray. That's, that's one thing. It's a good starting point. Anybody can do that. I mean, you could go home this afternoon and, you know, during commercials of the Packer game, you could be writing down uh, lists. This is probably should have been number one. You have to overcome fear. You have to overcome fear. The Bible tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But let me just tell you something. We, we blame the devil for everything. Years ago, there was a, a comedy show, and they had all these guys on there. A guy named Flip Wilson said, his big line was, the devil made me do it. Some of us older people remember that sitcom or whatever it was. The devil made me do it. I read in a book one time. <laughs> this guy said, he, there was a demon of fingernail biting. I mean, come on. Let's get your doggone hand out of your mouth. Don't blame the devil. You know what I mean? We have a tendency to blame the devil for everything. But I will tell you what you can. I will give you the number one thing that the devil wants to do. He doesn't want you to share your faith. He doesn't want you to look attractive in, in Christian terms. And whenever you get to the point where you want to share your faith with Michelle, right? With Michelle. It says she wasn't a Christian. And I, I'm trying to figure out a way to talk to her. The minute I start doing that, there'll be this, there'll be a, it, like fear will grab you. It does. It's, it's there. And I want to tell you, it doesn't go away. I've done this for years and years and years. And every time I get to that point, bam, all that, the icy cold fingers of fear will come. They're going to think you're stupid. They're going to think you're a radical. You know, really? You know what I'm talking about? I just say in my, say in my brain, get out of here, devil. Boom, it's gone. Then I can move ahead. You've got to conquer fear. You've got to realize where it comes from. And once you realize where it comes from, you can get specific. Because he doesn't want people going to heaven. He wants people to go to hell. He wants people wrapped up in their sin and their, and their problems and their difficulties and, and, and popping pills and doing everything they can to try to make it to the next level. You've got to overcome fear. So you've got to make lists, overcome fear, return good for evil. <laughs> How many of you got some people that just, they irritate you? Come on. Oh, I mean... I have the gift of irritation. You might be irritated at me. You know, when people expect, when they treat you poorly and you treat them kindly, they don't know how to handle it. And eventually that will break through. When we were kids, the lady next door to us, Mrs. Sprecker. I've never met any other Spreckers. But this woman was a miserable, cranky woman. I mean, 
she got mean pills when she got up in the morning and went to bed with more mean pills. We, we, were, we always played a lot of sports and stuff. And whenever a baseball or a softball we were playing with, or even a football or whatever, would roll onto her yard, she, I mean, this old woman would come running out of the house, snap that ball, run back in the house with it. And she didn't even play baseball. I mean, were, was our ball damaging her grass? Now, if I could go back as a Christian, I would have started shoveling their driveway, taking their mail in. I would have killed her with kindness. It's an interesting story. When, when Jesse Kroak died, her husband was sort of a nice guy. He gave us 26 baseballs back that she had run out and snatched up over the years. You meet people like that. You, I mean, we didn't really ever even do anything to the poor woman, and she just was meaner than a junkyard dog. But you know what? You never know what happened in her life that caused that. See, now, if you've got a Jesse Sprecher in your life, start killing her with kindness. Okay? Carry your Bible. Okay, we hand out Bibles here. I want to tell you, this, this book in itself... It's powerful. It's powerful. Like I said, I preach all over the country. And half or three-quarters of the people coming to church today aren't bringing a Bible. Now, you can get irritated at me. Oh, what? I didn't bring mine. You should be picking on me now. Maybe, you know, you got a black book or something. Pull it out to make me feel good. But this is powerful. Is this Bible on your desk at work? Is this Bible next to your, your, your machine at work? Where, 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 you know what I mean? I'll tell you, just that alone. We got our kids. My son, who's a pastor now, fought it more than my daughter. But when they went to class and they had their pile of books at the high school they went to, in the pile was a, a New Testament or, or a Bible. My daughter, if she were here today, would say, Daddy, more people talk to me because I carried my Bible. Why are you doing that? This is how I try to live my life. And there are people that are hurting all over. Just the sight of your Bible will open up doors for you. But a lot of people, I'm ashamed. You know what I mean? You know? See, a lot of you are a bigger fan of what's going to happen in St. Louis today at the Edward Jones Temple or whatever they call it down there. Edward Jones Field, I think. Or what happens at Lambeau on a Sunday. We need to be fans of the Word of God. Can somebody just say, amen, I'm about done. Yeah. I want to, you know, on holidays, birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, funerals, we will overcome by a testimony. Get good cards. And you got Thanksgiving coming up. I can give you a tip at Thanksgiving. Many of you will have family that don't know Christ, or maybe you'll invite, we always invite some strays that are just living in the community, don't have family or friends. And then we'll strategically share why we're thankful. We're not just thankful because we have a house and food. We're thankful because Jesus Christ lives in our heart. I did that years ago at one of our gatherings. My brother was away from God. He started crying. We just had a baby. And he started crying when I gave, because I was my kids were real little then, and his, he had a daughter about the same age as my son, and he, and he started crying. He said, I'm not serving God, and I'm bringing this girl into the world. You see, stuff like that. These are things you can do. And, you know, we start doing that collectively as a church. We won't worry if someone's not here, someone's mad and didn't come. I mean, it'll get to the point where we'll have to send people out the door somewhere else so we can build a bigger building. 
See, that's how it works. And then the last thing, if you want to do, do a neighborhood party. <laughs> I mean, if you were here last week, I was, this is unique. To, I don't know if it's northeastern Wisconsin or all of Wisconsin, but we've never lived anywhere where people have parties in their garages. You know what I mean? I, I, I thought garages was to park, were to park your car and, and put your tools in and, and, you know, your garbage cans and stuff. And, and so people have parties in their garage. Well, if you want to have a garage party for Jesus, go ahead. But here, here's the deal. I mean, we, have our, we always brought, brought them in the house for parties. But let me just tell you what you can do. Sometime maybe when the weather gets better or if you want to do it this winter, start inviting five, six of your neighbors over. Just, hey, we got some extra food. We'd like to invite you over. Well, what's going on? Is it a party? Is it an anniversary? No, we just want to be nice. We just want to have you over. And you'll be surprised. They'll be so bugged. What's the reason? They'll say, really, why are you having this? Well, we want to be good Christian neighbors, and we have Christ in our heart. And we pray for you, and we think about you, and, and we just, that's it. I am telling you what, all of a sudden stuff starts happening. But are we doing this in the church today? No. If you want to be aware, and you want to reach people for Christ, and I will tell you, when you start doing this, other blessings will come your way. Because God's going to look and say, man, you know, the Zuka's got it together there. You know, they, they have it together. What can I do to bless him? What can I do to bless that person? So the challenge today is, first of all, there needs to be some cutting. There needs to be some strategic pruning. And all of a sudden, things will begin to happen. And you'll get your eyes on the right thing. And I'm done. Don't just shout a hearty amen, start clapping either. I mean, I'm done. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. I hope you grab some of this stuff. I hope you'll look this week at, at your tree and your uneven branches and your dead branches and, and the distortions. And you'll just say, you know what? I'm going to get down to basics. I'm going to let God prune me so I can be productive, so I can be an evangelist, so I can touch my neighborhood workplace. I'm going to carry my Bible. And see, some of you are fearful of that. Guess where the fear comes from, remember? You'll be surprised how the doors will open. God bless you. I'm gonna, I just pray for you. Father, I thank you now for this group. I pray you'll bless them, bless their families, bless their businesses, bless their relationships. Be the best that you can for them. Lord, help us as a church to be pruned back so that we can have great growth in our personal lives and in everything we do. Amen. God bless you.